0: Listen, I'm excited about getting into Genesis again, chapter 35, and I know some of you think that we started preaching through the book of Genesis back when it was first written. That's not true, but it's only been a few months. We're in chapter 35 today, and we will eventually get to the end. I was really amazed at how many churches that preach through Genesis stop at chapter 11. Uh, They go through the easy part, and they skip all the hard part. And some of these things are hard to prepare for, and they're uh, they're hard to study through, but it's been really a blessing to me, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you've missed any of those sermons, you can listen to them on our website, or you can get there through our app at fogkc.com, and you can listen to any of those previous sermons. But today we're going to look at chapter 35 of the book of Genesis. Now, uh, I want to tell you a story about a turtle and a scorpion. This turtle and a scorpion were standing by the side of a lake and the scorpion wanted to get to the other side. Well, scorpions can't swim. did not know if you, didn't, if you knew that or not. Scorpions can't swim. So the scorpion says to the turtle, he says, Hey, I got an idea. I know you swim really well, so why don't you take me across the lake? And the turtle said, Are you crazy? I know how you scorpions are. We'll get halfway across the lake and you'll sting me and I'll go into paralysis and we'll sink to the bottom and die. The scorpion says, that's not even logical. Think about what you're saying. That doesn't make, make any sense. It's not logical because if I do that, you'll sink to the bottom, but I'll go with you and I'll die too. So that can't possibly happen. So the turtle said, well, that, that sounds reasonable. Okay, hop on. So the scorpion hops on and he starts going across the lake and they're about halfway across the lake and the scorpion raises up his tail and stings the turtle right in the back of the neck. The turtle turns around and as he's starting to feel the paralysis come on, he goes, What did you do that for? That's not even logical. Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says, dude, it's not about logic. It's just in my nature. Now think about that for a minute. We do a lot of things that aren't logical. We do a lot of things that we shouldn't do, and we know we shouldn't do, and they get us into trouble. Why do we do that? Because it's just in our nature. See, we were born with a sinful nature. And, and while Jesus can uh, sub- help that subside when we give our lives to Him, we'll never be on this side of heaven. We will never be perfect. And we will be struggling with our sin nature for the rest of our lives. Jacob struggled with his sin nature. I, I, one of the things that people have said to me is man, I'm really surprised going through this book of Genesis at how all of these, like, you know, pillars of the faith these early pillars of the faith, how messed up their lives were. They're just like me. Like, yeah, that's true. They're just like us. Poor Jacob, he'd he'd stolen the birthright and the blessing from Esau, stole it right out from under him, his brother. He had deceived his father Isaac in that. Then when Isaac had to send him away to save his life from his brother killing him, he had deceived his uncle, and now his father-in-law, Laban, he had done nothing and been passive about the rape of his daughter Dinah, as we saw last week, did nothing. Jacob messed up a lot. He was full of sin. But folks, we serve a God that gives second, third, and fourth, and tenth, and 212th, and, and 4,976, and 2,847,212 chances Man, that song, Death Was Arrested, that just gets me every time. I did a funeral yesterday, and I thought about that song. Man, here's somebody laying there, and death has been arrested. God gives us second chances. Now, last week we looked at chapter 34, and I call that the godless chapter of Genesis because God's name is not mentioned a single time. Did you notice that last week? God never came up in the conversation. All of it was interaction between people. It had nothing to do, really, with anybody obeying God. But chapter 35, where we're going to look today, it's a God-filled chapter. God's name actually appears 11 times. And it appears another 11 times as part of some other name. So it actually appears in this one chapter 22 different times. Jacob had not done as God said and returned to Bethel. He was just kind of floating he was just kind of doing his thing not doing really much but we're gonna to see today we're gonna to see today how to overcome a spiritual slump Jacob was in a horrible spiritual slump he felt distanced from God he was he was distant from God but we're gonna see kind of a personal revival come into Jacob's life even after all of these issues even after his life was full of sin and and full of chaos and full of family chaos, most of it at his own hand. But we'll see that personal revival takes place in Jacob, and it happens really for two reasons. Jacob's obedience and repentance were his first steps. Folks, these are always the first steps, always the first steps to personal revival. Look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 3. It says, God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell the fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. He knew who God was. He knew him. You know, God had originally told Jacob to go back to Bethel in chapter 31, and here we are in 35, and he hasn't done a thing. He hasn't taken a step towards that. In one of our previous sermons, the point was made that hesitant obedience is disobedience. In other words, when God says something to you, you'll see you're reading his word and you learn something new. And you say, oh, that's, I, 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 don't, I didn't think that way before. I didn't know that before. That's really interesting, God. And then a period of time goes by that you don't do it. If it's hesitant obedience, that period of time is disobedience. If you know what God wants you to do and you're not doing it, it's disobedience. But there can come a point of time where hesitant obedience ends in obedience because you finally choose to do what God has said. That's kind of the situation here with Jacob. Obedience delayed can become obedience simply by obeying. Repentance is turning around and going the other way. You see, it's not enough just to say, oh, well, I'm not going to go that way anymore. This is my own way. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to stop doing that and just hang out. Because Jacob was doing a lot of hanging out. But you've got to turn around and go God's way. You have to see what God wants him to do. He wasn't going farther from Bethel. He wasn't running away from Bethel. He's he's over here and God says, no, go back to Bethel. And Jacob just stands. That's disobedience. Finally, he repents and he begins to go back to Bethel. Perhaps the most important words in this verse are, so Jacob. Uh, Look at it again here. It says, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So, Jacob. You see, the very next words are that he is going to do it. He is doing it. He immediately begins to uh, tell his family uh, that we're going to prepare to go. It seems that idol worship had infiltrated pretty much the whole family by now. If you remember, his beautiful wife, Rachel, had stolen her father's false idols before they left him, before they ran away from Laban. And now the whole family's got them. They just keep, seem to just keep going out from everybody. And it seems like until this time, because we certainly have no record of it, Jacob has done nothing, nothing to correct them, even though God had been super real to Jacob. He spoke to Jacob. He gave him the covenant. Jacob had not taught his children well at all to love and serve the one true God of his fathers. He just hadn't taught them. Jacob suffered long from the biggest sin that plagues most men, passivity. He was just passive. He wasn't evil. He was just passive. Passive. If you remember, uh, Adam, in in the very beginning, Adam was standing right there next to Eve when the whole conversation took place between her and the serpent. And what did Adam do? Nothing. Not one thing. Men, Satan wants to get you to do nothing. Nothing in your life, nothing in your family, nothing of eternal importance. If he can't get you to do evil, he'll get you to do nothing in place of it because it won't be righteousness for God. We have to to be careful about that. But when God spoke to him to go back to Bethel, this this time he responded quickly. He obeyed and he repented. This starts the personal revival in his life. Folks, we have to understand that our own personal rival must start with obedience to the things that God has said to us through his word and the things that he speaks to our hearts through his spirit that never contradict his word, by the way, and repentance for the things that we know we are doing that are contrary to God's word. Now, listen, we don't control God's blessings. I don't want you to get the impression that if we do this, God has to respond in a certain way. But we're going to see here in a few moments that our obedience And our uh, our repentance invites God's blessing. But what we do see right away is his personal righteousness provided a foundation to lead his family. His personal righteousness provided a foundation to lead his family. Look at verse 4. So they, his family, so they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. So he immediately becomes active in his children you've got. Bring all the false gods you have, bring them to me. And oh, by the way, the earrings that you're wearing too, uh, ladies, this is not a, a hit on earrings. Okay, that was part of pagan worship back in this day. He's saying, bring all the stuff that is, is uh, contributing to pagan worship, bring it to me. And he buries it in the ground. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I have this picture in my mind of him digging a hole, burying it in the ground, tapping it with his foot, and maybe spitting on it. (laughs) All right, family, we are done with that. We are done, done, done with that. Is that clear? You have to remember that a lot of his children were adults by this time. But he admonishes them too. He has the right And the responsibility to instruct his children even as adults. Folks, we talk about this a lot around here. Children, you must obey your parents while you live in their home. That is what God says you must obey your parents. We honor our parents our whole lives. That never goes away. When you become independent, you no longer have to obey your parents. But parents, I can't find a single scripture that says, when your kids get financially stable and they get out of your house, you don't have to to instruct them anymore. You don't have to advise them anymore. Oh, they don't have to do what we say. We, We all know that, right? But the reality is we should still instruct them. We should still advise them whether they want to hear it or not especially if they're about to do something that's going to harm their life. Remember this, we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. Jacob could never lead his children until he led himself better. When he did nothing to protect his daughter Dinah, and then nothing in response to her rape, His sons did a most evil thing by killing all the men who were with Shechem. And Jacob did nothing to stop it. Jacob's personal repentance and obedience was a testimony to his children, folks. It gave him a foundation of integrity to teach them and lead them. So they gave up willingly all of their false... We don't see any arguments here from them. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had. He said, guys, bring him to me. We're done with this. And they just did it. You see, all this time he'd been passive, he could have been speaking into their lives. They weren't rebellious. The problem wasn't that his kids were some rebellious bunch of thugs that didn't want to listen to their dad and just go off on their own. That wasn't them at all. They were just waiting for dad to tell them something. They were just waiting for their dad to instruct them and love them enough to tell them the right thing to do. So they gave up willingly all of their false gods and their earrings that were part of their pagan worship, and Jacob buried them. And if you want to add spit on them too, that's okay. But he he made it clear to them that they were done with this stuff, folks. He really turned around and, and obeyed God in this. Then we see that Jacob's righteousness invited God's blessing and protection. It invited God's blessing and protection. Look at verse five. It says, and as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So let me paint this picture for you. Jacob's uh, uh, number two and number three son Uh, They had just gone out and killed all these men that were with Shechem. We don't know how many men it is, but it was probably hundreds. And if you want to go back and read the story, basically he said, hey, you can be part of our family if all you guys get circumcised. And on the third day, when they were all in pain, they went in and killed them all. Very devious, very evil. And now everybody around all the cities around them are like, man, we got to get rid of Jacob and his sons. Those guys are evil. We got to take care of them. We got to get them out of here. We got to wipe them out. Even after Jacob's sons had killed all the men and these cities wanted them dead, they did nothing because God turned their hearts. You see, God can influence people that aren't his. In fact, Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, they may not like you. They may not vote for you to be employee of the month, but they're going to be at peace with you. You see, if we just do the right thing, God works in that. He's always working behind the scenes. Here he's protecting Jacob's family and Jacob from these guys that want to kill him. He's turning their hearts. Now, I don't know exactly what a terror from God is, but I don't ever want to experience it, I'll tell you that. They have a terror from God. They are frightened, and his sons will do to them, so they leave him alone. Like, listen, let him, let him go. You know what? Just let them be on their way. Word best to just let him go. How many times has some convenient uh, coincidence benefited or protected you? Do you run into a lot of those coincidences, folks? My friend Dave Ross, who started coming to Fellowship of Grace the second week that we were in existence, and he's been a Christian now for 13 years. We, we talk and joke about this all the time. We'll say, hey, I gotta tell you something that happened this week and one of us will share something and the other one will go, oh, that's a very interesting coincidence because basically we just kind of joke around about how every time God works in our lives and he does something uh, really powerful and interesting that we couldn't do ourselves, it's somehow a coincidence because we know that we're basically mocking the idea of a coincidence because it doesn't happen. See, this is no coincidence that these people decided to let Jacob and his family live. God did something to them. And he did that after Jacob repented of his sins and decided to obey God. Then God reiterates his blessing to Jacob. Look at Genesis chapter 35, verses nine through 12. It says, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padanaram Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Now, if you've been following this sermon series very much, you might say, well, wow, hasn't he said that before? I mean, didn't he already change his name? Yeah, he already changed his name. Didn't he already give him a blessing like this? Yeah, he did all that. But when Jacob actually got to Bethel and completed what God had told him, God repeats his promise to Jacob and actually adds something. He increases it. He, he actually says a phrase in here that's never been said to him before. This phrase, and kings shall come from your own body. That's never been said as part of the promise. That's been added. You see, God's blessing became even greater because of Jacob, Jacob's heart turning. And so God reiterates his blessing to Jacob. Now, this is the place, if you remember Bethel, this is the place where uh, Jacob uh, saw the vision. He had the vision of the heavenly escalator of angels going back and forth from the earth into heaven. Remember Jacob's ladder? And if you remember at the time, Jacob named the place, this is the house of God. But he renames it this time. It's no longer the house of God. It's the God of the house of God. You see, before when he had this vision, his emphasis and his focus was on the place. Now Jacob is no longer impressed with the place. He's impressed with, with the God of the place. You know, it's kind of like if we go to uh, see some wonderful thing of nature, we go to the Grand Canyon, we say, wow, look at this awesome, man, this is so cool. This, this place is awesome. This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. When really, we should be saying to ourselves, wow, look at this place. This is one of the greatest places I've ever seen. The God who made this is awesome. See, the emphasis should never be the place. It should never be the vision. It should be the creator. Because most pagan worship is really designed to, to worship the creation rather than, than the creator. And we need to always make sure that we uh, you know, worship the creator. Now, whereas human beings in our sinful nature, you know, we do have a tendency to get caught up in places. Even you know your particular seat here at church You know, you walk in and somebody's sitting in your chair. What are they doing there? Why why aren't they? What if God, God can't speak to me if I don't sit in that chair? Well, let me let you in on a secret. During the week, we mix all these chairs up. You've never sat in the same chair twice. You don't even know where your chair is. You see, we can't get caught up in these things that we just have a tendency as humans to do. So God reiterates his promise to Jacob and he adds to it and kings shall come from your body. Same promise, same name change, but an increase because of Jacob's heart being obedient and repentant. Jacob's personal revival invited God's new and increased blessing. Now I want to make sure that we understand each other. We are not a church that believes in, teaches, or supports, name it, claim it, you know, hey, if you drink the Miracle Spring water, you'll get $10,000 in cash at church, you know, in the mail. Uh, we don't do any of that kind of stuff, okay? It's not necessarily that things are always going to go well for you because we live in a fallen world. We live in a terrible world full of sin uh, with sinners all around us just like us. But the point is, folks, when, when, we, when we are disobedient to God and we invite his, his spanking when we invite his discipline into our lives, it's hard for him to bless us while he's in the midst of disciplining us. He's trying to change the direction of our lives. And so if we will just decide without being disciplined that we're gonna follow him, that we're gonna obey him, that we're gonna repent from our own way and turn to his way, if we'll just do that on our own, we'll receive a greater chance of getting a blessing from God because he won't be disciplining us. Frankly, the absence of discipline is blessing, right? I mean, if I got through a day as a ch- kid without a spanking, it was a pretty good day. It was a pretty blessed day. So Jacob still, even though God has blessed him through all of this, even though this personal revival in his life has, has brought on God's blessing, he still experiences some of the pains of just living in a fallen world because we see that Rachel dies while giving birth to Benjamin. Look at verses 16 through 20a. It says, Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died. And she was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. By the way, this is the first time the Bible ever mentions Bethlehem. Some pretty cool things happened there. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. And this was the love of Jacob's life. It's the one he worked for for 14 years, Remember? I mean, he worked for seven years thinking he was going to get her, and then got her older, other, ugly sister. You know, so he had to work seven more years because he, man, he loved her at first sight. He saw her and said, "Wow, you know, I, yeah, I want to marry her." And then he and Laban got into that whole deception thing. We have this report of Rachel's death while she's giving birth to Jacob's final son. She called him Benonai, son of my sorrow, for she is dying. But dad calls him, no, not gonna gonna call him that, he's the son of my right hand, he's Benjamin. We're gonna see in the very near future that Rachel's two sons, Joseph and Benjamin become Jacob's favorites and and he doesn't hide that fact from the other 10 and it's gonna cause some jealousy and, and some other problems with his other knucklehead sons here Do you remember what Rachel said when she was jealous of Leah? Remember, Leah was having babies, and she wasn't. And she said, give me children or I shall die. I think it's ironic, kind of interesting, that when she finally gets what she wanted, it did indeed cause her to die. Even in the midst of Jacob's personal revival and blessing from God and another son He experiences sadness and loss because of the brokenness of this world because of sin. And then if that's not enough trouble, they also, Jacob and Esau, wind up burying their father, Isaac. Look at verses 28 and 29. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob Buried him. Now, it's interesting that they buried him together. Esau and Jacob together buried him. Remember, there was one point where Esau wanted Jacob dead. Jacob stole Esau's birthright and his blessing, and Esau said, I want him dead. I'm going to kill him. And and Isaac had to send Jacob away so that Esau didn't kill him. They've made up. They've made up. They've buried the hatchet, and then they buried their father. (laughs) And that just came out, I'm sorry by the way let me just say as a side note here i look for opportunities to apply these things to our lives and understand them uh, if you remember back in chapter 27 isaac said uh, i need to give my birthright away because i am old i do not know the day of my death basically he was saying listen i'm dying i'm at the end here folks Bring my son in here so I can give him the birthright, so I can give him the blessing because I'm about to die. This was 43 years later when he actually died. I thought about that. Here's my application for us, folks, that we need to think about. Nobody knows when we're going to die. Not doctors, not nurses, not hospice workers, not even ourselves. Only God does. This has particular application for those of us who either have aging parents or have had aging parents. We have to make decisions about life and death. When dealing with aging parents, listen, take one day at a time. Try to prepare for the future, but don't speculate the future. There's a difference. Prepare for the future, but don't speculate it. Don't make decisions based on what some doctor said. I have seen families where the doctor has said to a family, they probably won't make it through the week. And they're there a year later. I've seen places and families where they say, listen, uh, you know, it's it's bad, but they probably have another year or two to go before this takes their life. And three weeks later, they're dead. My point in this, folks, is we got to, we got to, Quit thinking that somehow we're in charge. God is in charge. He'll take us when he wants to. He's in charge. I just think it's very interesting that this is 43 years after he thought he was about to die. And now he actually does. And by the way, if you ever want to know uh, what uh, Isaac died of, he was old and full of days. He was 180 years old. That's what he died of. Okay? So how do we overcome a spiritual slump? How did Jacob overcome this spiritual slump? You know, at the beginning of this chapter, he was in a place that God didn't want him there. He was being disobedient because he wasn't listening to God and doing what he said. His children were out of control and bringing sin into their own lives as well as judgment onto their family. People all around him were wanting him dead along with his whole family but he invited God into his situation because he decided to be obedient and repent. And God has turned things around for him. We don't control God's actions. Please don't get that impression. But we do invite his blessing or his curse slash discipline depending on how we behave and how we think and how we act towards him. Listen, life is tough enough I don't want to invite God's judgment into my life. I got enough problems just living in this fallen world. I don't need God's judgment and discipline on top of all that. I want God's blessing. Every spiritual slump turns around because of obedience and repentance. Jacob had been protected from those who wanted him dead because of his obedience and his repentance. He was able to lead his family well because of his obedience and his repentance. God reiterated his promise and even expanded it to Jacob because of his obedience and repentance. I want to encourage you today. First, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, understand that you can't do anything to stop sinning. You can't just decide to stop sinning. It doesn't work like that. We have that ingrained in us. It's just our nature. But God loves us enough to send his son Jesus to die for us on the cross to pay for our sins. If we would just put our faith and trust in him, then we could be forgiven of our sins. We could have our sins and the payment uh, that we owe because of our sins lifted away from us and receive forgiveness. But for many of us in here who've already made that decision, to give our lives to Christ. There may be some sin that we're dealing with that as I've been speaking today, you're like, oh man, he must know. He's gone through my trash again. He knows what I'm doing. No, I don't. I haven't seen your emails. I haven't seen your phone. I haven't done, I don't know anything. What I know is that we're all sinners. You know, it's really interesting that the more I rub shoulders with people who are far from God, they have this worldview that everybody's basically a good person. Only the really bad people. Only the child molesters and the axe murderers are really bad people. Everybody else is going to heaven. Folks, that's not true. We we can't even let ourselves think that way or say things like that. It's exactly the opposite. We are all sinners that deserve to be sent to hell for the rest of all eternity. But in God's love and mercy and grace, he reached out to us with his son, Jesus. So today, if you're a Christian and you're here and you've been thinking, oh man, I've been struggling with that sin, that one or two sins and they've plagued me and they just keep plaguing me and I keep giving it and keep giving it and keep giving it. Listen, today just draw the line in the sand. Just, Just picture yourself taking whatever that sin is and digging a hole and putting it in the ground and tapping it down hard and stepping back and spitting on it and say, I am done, 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 done. Today, I am done with that. It ends here and wait and see if God doesn't bless you. Somehow, some way, God will bless you. And if you've been going your own way, deciding that you know better than God, repent from that, turn around and go, listen, I, he's just God and I'm not. He knows more than I do. Listen, I pulled out on my kids when I was little. Listen, do this because I know more than you. Don't you think God says that to us? Listen, kids, do what I say because I know more than you. Of course he does. Of course he does. And so take today to just draw a line in the sand, say I'm no longer going to invite God's discipline and judgment onto my life. I'm going to invite God's blessing because I'm going to do what he says and be who he wants me to be. With his help and with his spirit in me, I will become a better reflection of Jesus. Will we be perfect? No but we aren't going to be just constantly going our own way, doing our own thing, separate and different than what God says. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your spirit that guide us. Father, help us to be people of true faith, people who don't just ask for your forgiveness so that we can continue to do wrong, but people who decide to obey you, and people who decide to follow you, to repent from our own ways and turn to your ways. God, help us. Give us the strength through your spirit. Teach us your ways through your word. And Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you that death was arrested when Jesus rose from the dead. He paid for our sins. Help us to never get over that, but to have that just influence us, to encourage us to be who you want us to be, not out of duty or obligation, but out of love, out of response to your love for us. God, help us be the kind of people that follow you because we just love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.